0: You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Fairview, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Well, this morning, we are going to dive right into the message. We have been in a series called The Pursuit of Happiness, which has been a real joy to be preaching and to be a part of. And today is the eighth and final message in this little mini-series where we've been studying the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes is not a list of rules, but it's a list of things and ideas that we are to be, to become. And the result, according to what each of these Beatitudes talk about, is that we will be happy. We will be blessed. And it's interesting, when we uh, have been preaching through this, and I hope that your awareness as well as mine, like mine, uh, my awareness has grown, and I hope yours as well. Uh, I was thinking this week, how many of those people that we rub shoulders with are truly happy? And I'm not talking about the people you're sitting next to right now. But think about the people in your day-to-day. People around you at work, maybe your business partner, maybe a neighbor, maybe a schoolmate, Maybe someone at the club, if you're working out, look the look on their face. It was interesting. Last Sunday, my wife and I, we were able to get away, and uh, we were in Mackinac Island. And uh, they've got a lot of different people that work on the island, live on the island. And when they're serving, they're great. Smiles on their face. But Jessica and I, we got into the back of woods and kind of walked all the way around. And, and it was interesting. On many occasions, Jessica and I both were like, man, the people that live here, the people that are working, when they're not on duty, it didn't look like they were all that happy. It was like there was a sadness, and, I, and, we, and we noticed, and we mentioned it on a couple of occasions. And then just yesterday, I was downtown, and I saw a business owner that I know, that I've been in his shop a dozen times or more, and every time I'm in his shop, He is like up and fun and kind of a little crazy, a little bit out there. And I saw him yesterday walking his dog, and I'm telling you, he looked miserable. And I missed an opportunity, I'll confess. I probably should have stopped, pulled over, and prayed with him. I don't know. But I'm telling you, he was down. His dog even looked sad. And so I ask you, the people that you hang around, the people you rub shoulders with, do you think they are happy? If I had a happiness meter and came up to you and was like, Zzz, and, you know, how happy would you be? And I'm not talking about just a fake smile, because we can all fake it, can't we? Some of you faked it this morning walking through these doors. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about true contentment, satisfied deeply, where your soul is at rest there's a true happiness and the solution has found in this word blessed and each of the Beatitudes starts with the word blessed. That word means, uh, in the Greek, makarios, and we've talked about that. It's supremely blessed. Where you're content, you're satisfied, where you're at rest. But these eight pronouncements that we have studied in our studying, they are not easy. And as we take a quick review of these and look at this, and you can turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Today's beatitude is a direct result from carrying out the seven previous. And so let's just look at those briefly. It says in verse 3, number the first beatitude is, says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons or daughters, children of God. And I promise you, I guarantee you, If you live these beatitudes, you will be supremely happy. But there's one more guarantee in these beatitudes. And the guarantee is that if you live out the previous seven beatitudes, the things I just read, and if you missed any of those weeks, go back or go back if you're struggling with any of these. But the promise is this, the guarantee is that you will experience persecution. Persecution. You'll be harassed, you'll be treated badly, with hostility, you may be hated or slandered or even abused. But don't worry, this eighth beatitude is paradoxical, just like the other seven. And in every case, they, we, the, each of these beatitudes start with the word blessed, and, and as Jesus would have said, blessed, makarios, they would have leaned in And then taking a double take, and that's the exact same thing that happens here. Let's look at the last and final beatitude. It says in verse 10, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then verse 11 and 12, follow it up. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Wow. Let's look at these one verse at a time. Verse number 10, let's put that up there. It says, blessed are you when people, or when you are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There's a couple things to note here, a couple things that I noticed as I was studying this. The first thing is that that word there, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, is the same exact promise that we see in verse 3 from the very beginning. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's almost like bookmarks, kind of at the start and at the finish, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The same result. It starts and finishes with this. And to me, it gives a great confidence that we can trust the Lord that as we live these beatitudes out, we will, through the Holy Spirit's strength, we will be able to experience the kingdom of heaven. The second thing I note is that it says, because of righteousness. That, that phrase there, because of righteousness. And again, we studied this early on. Righteousness in verse 6, it's, it's not a list of doing things right. It's not a list of following the rules, so to speak. We said that righteousness is a person, right? And the person is Jesus. So you could say, "Be blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness or because of Jesus. And if you're persecuted for Jesus, you will be happy, you will be blessed, that's the promise that we see in this verse. The third thing I notice is that last phrase, for their, for the kingdom of heaven. And we've talked about this a lot at the beginning, but it's true today. When we talk about the, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, what it's talking about is not only a future heaven, it heaven for eternity, which we all look forward to, but it's also on the here and now. We bring heaven to earth. In fact, uh, Judy Marichek just came up to me just a few moments ago at the end of worship and said, hey, you know, I'm seeing kind of a word that, you know, we need to bring heaven's thoughts to earth and and how important that is. That we need to see things like we would in heaven where there's no sickness, no disease, and we bring that idea to earth. Amen? And the Lord help us to do that. Yes, it's future glory, but it's also for the here and now. The next verse, though, goes on to explain in more detail about the persecution. Look at verse 11. It says this: It says, "Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for there's the kingdom of heaven, verse 10. Verse 11, "Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say, "All kinds of evil against you because of me." Now no one likes to talk about this. In fact, there are some that will just skip over this beatitude altogether. No one wants this, but it's absolutely the result of living for Jesus. You think about it. How has your life changed if you are living for Jesus? I hope it's changed. You get saved. You start to grow in your faith, right? And all of a sudden, the way that you treat your neighbor is different. Maybe it didn't happen automatically, but all of a sudden, where you may have had some racist tendencies, all of a sudden you're loving uh, someone that's different than you, and you're saying, hey, I'm changing. Or maybe you've got, you know, you were you're showing some kindness where in the past you would have been maybe not so kind. Or you're caring for the least of these, where before you could care less, you could, you wouldn't even give a rip. Jesus in your life changes things, amen? Think about it. You're, you're in the business world. You get saved. And all of a sudden, the way that you used to do business isn't going to cut it anymore. Where you used to cut corners, fudge the numbers, and all of a sudden you're like, huh, maybe I should do it <laughs> right. Or the way you spend money is different. Once you give your heart to the Lord. You have different priorities. You learn the principle of tithing, right? And giving offerings and the overall principle of being generous. And you're saying, wait a second. I was never this way before. What's going on, right? It's Jesus in your life. He changes us from the inside out. For those of you that are single, you're saying, huh, the standard for dating, right? And all of a sudden you give your heart to the Lord and you're saying, huh, things are going to be different, I'm not going to have sex before I'm married. I'm going to respect the opposite sex. I'm going to have good, godly boundaries. And I'll tell you, when you start to live these ways, people will notice. People in your life, they'll start talking about you. People will not understand. This verse, verse 11, will come alive in your life. You will be insulted, persecuted, and falsely being be saying uh, all kinds of evil against you. And then, yes, it could be subtle, but all of a sudden you're being made fun of. You're being insulted. You're excluded from the, from the group. Things are said behind your back, and it sometimes is straight up evil. When you start to pass on the party, or you decide not to get drunk, or you stop telling the jokes that you were telling before. And why? It's because Jesus has made a difference in your life. Now, I want you to write this next slide down or take a picture of it and don't forget it. It, the, The big idea for this message and really to wrap up this whole series is that persecution is the evidence that that you are faithfully following Jesus. Look at that. Persecution is the evidence that you are faithfully following Jesus. The truth is, is that living for Jesus will cost us something, ultimately our lives, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But any gospel that would be preached, that's all about blessing and prosperity and pleasure and happiness, only is not the gospel. It's a fake, and incomplete gospel. And you're saying, well, how can you say that, Pastor? Well, it wasn't my idea, I promise you. I assure you of that. It's what Jesus said and what Jesus promised. Jesus promised trials, persecution, tribulation. And it's interesting that he promised that in Matthew chapter 5 here before things got rough. Jesus. At this point, it's early on in his ministry. The crowds are flocking. Things are uh, uh, up and to the right. But now, uh, but Jesus later in his ministry, he talked about that this type of thing, persecution, would absolutely be a reality. Let's look at a couple verses. John chapter 16, verse 33. It says, in this world, you will have trouble. The most encouraging verse in all scripture, right? In this world you will have trouble. In 2 Timothy verse 3 or chapter 3 verse 12 another place. Look what it says. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life, and I could ask you right now, who wants to be like Jesus, right? And hopefully all the hands go up, right? You're saying, yes, I want to be more like Jesus. Well, if you're living a godly life, it, for Jesus Christ, you will be persecuted. It's the truth in Scripture. Your life is different And things don't always look the same. There's a book I've been studying through this whole series, The Fire Must Never Go Out, a study on living a life of fire through the Beatitudes by Eric Smith. I know Eric Smith. He lives in Dayton, Ohio. I knew him uh, way back in the day. On this note, he says this, and I'm going to just read a little bit. You can follow along on the screen. It says, "Therefore." If we embrace abstinence from alcohol, our lives will be an indictment against those who love alcohol. If we pursue self-control and self-pure or sexual purity, our lives will be will conflict with those who are sexually promiscuous. By choosing not to make money our god or pride our pattern or laziness our practice, we will automatically be at odds with the lovers of money, with the prideful, and with the lazy. And then he says, if our pursuit is after the things of God, our lives will serve as a warning for those who are chasing after the things of this world. I think that captures it quite well. We're different. We're going to stand out and we will be persecuted. One more verse, uh, John chapter 15, turn with me there. Verses 18 and 19, you might want to highlight this. I've got it underlined or kind of in brackets in my Bible. It says this, If the world hates you, which that sounds miserable, doesn't it? But if it happens, keep in mind that it hated me first. This is Jesus talking. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. We could spend a whole series talking about the suffering that Jesus went through, the persecution he went through. If you're not familiar with his story, take my word for it. He suffered greatly for you and for me. And the thing I want you to see here is that when you suffer, you you are in good company. It's like Jesus is saying, look, what they did or what they will do to me, they will also do to you. The world will do to you. And you take a big breath and you say, oh, it takes guts It takes strength and courage to follow Jesus, to really take a stand. You cannot be a wimp for Jesus. And some of you are saying, wait a second, wait a second. I thought if I acted like Jesus, everyone would love me, right? If I follow God's word, people are just going to smile and they're just going to think I'm the best thing. Well, not a chance. People didn't love Jesus. Not everyone followed Jesus. And the root cause of that persecution, the underlying per- where it comes from, is from the enemy. Where does persecution come from? Uh, Psalm 143, it describes that it's Satan's influence. It's demonic influence, that, that, that persecution. The spirit of darkness, according to Ephesians chapter 6, the, our, our struggles, not with flesh and blood, not with the physical, it's spiritual And the more you live for Jesus, the more Satan will attack you. I was talking about that idea with Pastor Bobby, and we were just chatting, and he said, yeah, it's easy to be a hermit and live the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, right? Gentleness and self-control. If you're a hermit and you're in isolation, you can nail those things. Hit them out of the park, right? But the moment you live these beatitudes or you live in community or with even one other person, it gets tough. It's like fireworks go off, right? And these beatitudes are the same way. When we decide to live this way and in community, there's a test. Persecution is the evidence that you are faithfully following Jesus. And if you want to avoid that persecution, you can just blend in with the world. That last verse we said, you know, if you want to be a part of the world, they will take you as their own, right? If you talk like the world, you act like the world, you spend money like the world, you go to their parties or their events, you blend in, that... But that is not what we are called to do. Amen? And by the way, if you don't feel persecuted, you're saying, huh, I'm not sure this message is for me. I would check your lifestyle. I'm just saying. Don't just blend in. I'm calling us to live for Jesus. And the question is this morning, is are you in Or are you out? Are you in or are you out? Because living for Jesus will cost you something. Ultimately, our lives. Are you in or are you out? I'm not calling you to just play it safe or to go under the radar and say, well, I'm just going to, you know, I don't want to, you know, ruffle any feathers. I don't want to cause any ripples, you know, in my workplace or my family. No, we are called to live for. Jesus, to live these beatitudes, to love well, and the promise is we will be persecuted. When you talk about persecution, it's not too hard to think about those that have been martyred for their faith. And it's kind of sobering. I did a little research, and we could talk on that subject for a whole message in its own easily, but I, I found a one resource that said that in the last 10 years, this is crazy, that over 1 million Christians have given their lives for their faith, mostly in the 1040 window, which we're going to talk about in our missions emphasis coming up in a couple weeks. 1 million people and we live here in West Michigan, most of us, and it's easy to just go under the radar. But there was something as I was thinking about martyrism and, and giving everything. I was just meditating on that idea. And a thought came to my mind this week, something I had learned, you know, several years back, maybe 15, 20 years ago, as I was going through a devotional on the voice from the voice of the martyrs. How many of you ever heard of the voice of the martyrs? Yeah. And, there's, and it was either the Voice of the Martyrs or it was the DC Talk um, devotional about uh, martyrism. I, I, does anyone remember that? A few of you? I, I can't remember where I heard this first. Um, but I remember the story from Acts chapter 7. Stephen was the first person that gave his life for Jesus. He was the first martyr. Uh, if you know what I'm talking about, say amen. Okay, so it's Stephen. He's found in Acts chapter 7. And in the the what I remembered was that in his story, that there was a couple things that happened that not, number one is as he was being persecuted, he was receiving revelation from God, right from heaven. In fact, it says that he looked to heaven and he saw the glory of God. And I love that idea that that when you look or when you're being persecuted, there's revelation knowledge. God, He's speaking to us. Stephen looked up and saw the glory of God. And when you're being persecuted, and when I'm being persecuted for whatever reason, there's there's a sense that God is with us and He's speaking to us. There's revelation. Pretty awesome. But then in verse 55, Acts, uh, Acts chapter seven, verse 55. So after it says that the Sanhedrin, they're furious, they're gnashing their teeth. I mean, they're all up in Stephen's uh, face. But verse 55 says, But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, he looked up to heaven, saw the glory of God. So there's revelation happening. But something else, this is what I remembered. And I had to go back. It says, And Jesus, he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father at the right hand of God. And I know we don't have a, a, script or a script for that, but it was Acts 7, 55. Jesus, so you see the Father here stand, like, on the throne, and then Jesus is sitting normally at the right hand of the Father. That's what Jesus is doing right now. According to Scripture, Jesus is sitting on the right hand of the Father, and what is he doing? He's interceding for us. You, you've heard that verse maybe before. But when Stephen was being persecuted, when he looked to heaven, it doesn't say that Jesus was seated at the right hand of God. It says that Stephen, <laughs> that Jesus was standing at the right hand of God. I thought, man, and I remembered this, and I, that's why I went back. And I'm like, oh, man, this is so good. When you and I are facing persecution, when you and I stand for Jesus, Jesus, He stands for you as well. Think about it. When you're facing persecution, insults, abuse, harassment because of your faith, and you're thinking, man, is it worth it? Uh, I, you know, I, maybe I should just go under the radar if I just keep my mouth shut at school or in your workplace or whatever the case might be. No. When you stand for Jesus and you're being persecuted, Jesus stands and he's fighting for you. He's got your back. And the question is, are you in or are you out? Are you going to play it safe or are you going to go all in? After service, first service, uh, Linda Richards, uh, she's a saint in the church. They're celebrating, her and her husband are celebrating today. We celebrated first service. 65 years of marriage today. It was pretty awesome. Like, wow. And uh, But she came up to me after and she said, Pastor, this whole week the Lord's been encouraging me. Like, am I just ankle deep in the waters of God or knee deep or waist deep or am I going to get all in and swim with, you know, kind of in the river, that kind of idea. And she said, this message was just for me. And I'm saying, yes. And I'm wondering, are you all the way in or are you just going to dabble and kind of play it safe? Because when you go all in, you will be persecuted. But don't worry. The persecution, the the truth according to this beatitude is that you're going to be blessed you'll be happy. In fact, in verse 12, it rounds out this idea, and it says this. Not only will you be blessed, but it says rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And I sat and I studied that rejoice and be glad. And one commentator commented that that be glad is like you're skipping for joy and I and I just I thought about that and I I thought man that's so cool the picture that I, came to my mind is like a young girl like with a flower flowing dress white dress skipping through the field with flowers in the springtime and what why is that young girl that came to my mind why is she skipping for joy She's skipping for joy because she doesn't have a care in the world, right? She feels safe. She feels protected. She feels love. She feels joy. She feels happiness and she just and i thought oh man too bad i missed it by one week my daughter and and i mean she's a grown woman now but i thought oh if reagan could just skip you know in front of us and you know just the joy of the way, and no stress you know that would wouldn't that be beautiful i mean that would be a great way to end this series right and then i thought well reagan's not here and i know logan's not going to do it And my wife, if I even told her I was even thinking about what I'm about to do, she wouldn't want, she would say, don't do it. (laughs) But I thought, huh. I mean, how often do you see a grown man skip? skip 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 to my skip 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 to my skip 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 to my loo skip in the face loo, my of persecution darling. All right. I lost my partner. What'll I do? Lost my partner. Come on. I do? Lost my I'm gonna partner. skip for joy. Skip I'm making the choice. Loo, Come on, I'll yeah! Skip. Skip, skip to my many. In the face skip, of persecution. Oh yeah. I see revival my loo, my happening darling. here. Woo! I love a picnic, how about you? Come on. I love a picnic, how about you? I love it. I love a picnic, how about you? Skip to my in loo, the my face darling. of persecution. Skip, to Should we do it again? Skip, skip, skip to my loo, skip, skip, skip to my my darling. And I thought to myself, well, in the face of persecution, what do we do? We should skip to my loo, my darling. Rejoice and be glad. Skip for joy. Because the prophets experienced the same thing before you. Jesus experienced the same sort of thing, persecution. And we are called to that as well. Our big key, big idea is that persecution is the evidence that you're faithfully following Jesus. Let's examine our hearts this morning. Lord, we thank you that this morning you've captured our hearts. You've captured our minds. And Lord, through this series, Lord, you've challenged us to be, to live in a different way, contrary to the world, but we live for you. We choose to serve you. Lord I pray that in these next few moments you would capture our hearts. We pray it in Jesus name. Amen. Listen church. I wanted I'm so grateful that the Lord kind of revealed this idea. I hope we never forget me skipping down these aisles. In the face of persecution, what do we do? But the truth is There's some of us here that aren't experiencing a whole lot of persecution because we haven't decided to really live for Jesus. We haven't decided to take a stand for Jesus. And I'm calling you out. Are you in or are you out? And if you're in, you're going to be blessed. It doesn't make sense. None of these beatitudes make sense on the natural. But I promise you, the Lord will be your strength. He's going to help you. I'm in. And I hope you are too. I want to just bring one more thought. It's possible that you're here this morning. Your personal Savior saying, Man, I don't even have a relationship. What are you talking about? Well, we want to offer you the free gift of salvation. The Bible puts it pretty clear that we're all sinners, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. There's none of us here, not one of us, that are righteous enough on our own to make it to heaven because heaven requires perfection. So you say, well, how does it happen? How do you make it to heaven? Well, the way you make it to heaven is by accepting Jesus into your heart. And you may have heard he died on a cross for you. And according to scripture, the blood that he shed on the cross, it covers your sin. And so when Jesus sees you and you've accepted him, he sees you as if you have never sinned. It's a good deal. If you're here this morning you don't know the Lord, or you're away from God and you're saying, man, I need to come back to him, this morning I'm going to pray a prayer. And this prayer could be your prayer. And this prayer is a prayer of salvation. And I want to encourage you to agree with me as I pray. Let's pray. Lord, I'm sorry for the sin in my life, for the things that I've done wrong, Jesus, I'm asking that you would forgive me, take away my sin, make my heart clean. I believe you died on the cross. I believe that you uh, rose again, and that you're even seated on the right hand of the Father as I understand Scripture. And Lord, today, I put my faith in you. Lord, I pray that you would save me in Jesus' name. Your head bowed, eyes closed. If that if you prayed that prayer this morning, you say, Man, that's my prayer. I I needed that. I want you just to slip your hand right where you are. Yeah. Who else? Young man in the back, who else saying that, man, that's me. I needed to get my life right. I'm a green. Yes? Thank you. Another young man here. Anyone else? Just slip. just a moment, you can, everyone can open up your eyes here. We're going to find ourselves at the altar, a bunch of us, in just a minute. We're going to explain how we're going to end the service, but um, for those of you that raised your hand, I think it was three, I want you to come forward, and we're going to pray with you. We've got some next steps for you, um, and we'll we'll, we'll uh, do that. So when others come, you come as well, and we want to pray with you. But Some of you are thinking, huh, not even 10 o'clock yet, or it's not even noon yet. I thought church was longer than this. Well, we want to end with a little different twist today. I thought if you left with me just skipping, that was not going to be good enough. No, I'm just kidding. But what I'd like to do is have a little family meeting, a little powwow. And this is why we've kind of made the service a little different today. Because my heart has been that as I've been preaching this series of Pursuit of Happiness, I realize as the pastor that week in and week out there are people walking through these doors, you guys and others, that have heavy burdens. I see it on your faces sometimes. You're carrying a load. don't have to carry those things alone. And I feel like part of our responsibilities, part of our joy is to bear your burdens with you, that we do these things together. And so we're going to model something here in a moment that will become standard from this point through the end of the year. That during worship, we are going to open up the altars and we'll have people at the front of uh, elders and some others, uh, some of the deacons, some of the pastors, and we we just want to pray with you. And if you have needs on your heart on a weekly basis, during worship, after the first song, Pastor Bobby or someone will make an announcement, say, hey, the altars are open if you have needs. Come and let's pray together. Let's believe together for miracles, and uh, and we want to model that this this afternoon. At this point, it's twelve oh six, but uh, we want to model that this afternoon and just give you a taste of what that will be like. And I want to encourage you. Some of you are, you need to get out of your seats and come forward and to be prayed for. And some of you may not even be in a super stressful situation. I would encourage you just to seek the Lord. If you've got an open altar, and uh, and I just believe that God, in His presence, He can do amazing things. Amen. And so, anyway, what we're going to do this morning, we're going to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. And uh, and so you can prepare for that. And the ushers are ready. Um, you, in fact, you guys can come. And we thank you for your gifts. And, and uh, man, God has blessed us as a church. And uh, and after the offering has been received. In fact, you can go ahead and start there. We, uh, we will then move into a time where we're going to worship together. People will be here to pray for you. We encourage you to come and be prayed for. And let's just experience these last few moments together this morning in the presence of God. Amen. Father, I pray for the offering as it's being received, that you would bless it. And Lord, I pray that you your hand would be with us. And God, that you would do in just more than we could ever imagine. And Lord, as we seek your face in your presence week in and week out from here to the end of the year, I pray that you would be glorified and that you would meet our needs. We bear them together in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, All across this place, and, and just repeat after me. Say, "Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father I, give you my life. I give you my life. I live for you. I live for you. I'm all in. I'm Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. In, Jesus name. in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen." That's a bold prayer. I just tricked you, and uh, I, I apologize for that. But, uh, but anyway. <laughs> All right, right where you're sitting, there was a soap card. I want you to grab that before you uh, head off and. And uh, everybody grab one. It should be in your hand here. This is your Bible reading for the month, and we're a couple days in, uh, but you can jump right in today. Don't feel like you have to go back unless you really want to, uh, but this is your Bible reading program. This is gonna help you, and uh, that's great. And also, we got the three sign-ups out in the lobby, and I just wanna pray a blessing, a benediction over you. God bless you. Go in the grace of God. Lord, go before us, behind us, and all around us. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen, amen. Turn and greet someone. God bless you as you go today. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from The Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.